WNST, Tassel Baltimore and Baltimore Positive. We are positively at Mako. It's a Maryland County's conference. We're in Ocean City, Maryland. I am not out on the beach. I'm not like flying a kite. I'm not racing go-karts. I'm not even in Thrasher's French fries. We're here at the convention center being joined by some cool guests and returning champions, as we say. Ed Lovern rhymes with Govern. He's over at Ascension St. Agnes uh, running a hospital that I'm, I think everybody's familiar with. We drive by. But last time I had you out, I think it was Christmas time in Catonsville. Crab cakes were involved, right? I, it was a thrill. I, I think we met downtown Catonsville and Talked about crab cakes, and I don't think I got any crab cakes that day. But oh, that's, I, uh, that's, that's what he and, wants back on the show. And, and, and I follow your crab cake uh, contest and trials. and, and, and Hijinks is what we call You've them. done, like, what, 31 crab cakes Well, in don't forget days? the breweries now. And the breweries, uh, yeah, too, Yeah, absolutely. Right? We're doing breweries every day. I've done more breweries than crab cakes this year. Okay. Um, I did more crab cakes than anything last year. It's The thing about this tour that I never really understood was how beautiful the state is. Yeah, That it's not the destination, although the crab cakes are great. Yeah. You know, seeing different restaurants, but seeing the rolling hills, getting off 50, getting off of 68 going out, getting down the deep creek, just getting off the beaten path and seeing a, a beautiful state. What fun. You got a great job. Um, well, I, I, I used to talk about <laughs> baseball and football. Yeah. And, but uh, I still talk about those things. Yeah. Give me a little, uh, like, you come down here, you're a part of this conference. What, what do hospitals need here? Thanks for asking. So I come down. I'm the CEO of Ascension St. Agnes, as you said, and obviously it's nice to represent my hospital. I'm really down here because I've had the opportunity to chair the Maryland Hospital Association's task force on the future workforce for healthcare. And we released a report about two weeks ago that we feel very positive about that has laid out a pathway to improve our situation with the healthcare workforce. Currently, Hospitals and other healthcare providers are struggling because the healthcare workforce is dwindling. And we have, you know, statewide about, we're probably sure, about 5,000 nurses, about 4,000 LPNs. And we did a big analysis as part of this task force and found that that's just going to get worse in the coming years. And and, in the next dozen years, it could be. get three times as bad. Uh, so, so get your daughters and sons into nursing and doctor, doctor programs, right? Literally. And it, yes, but there's a lot to that. And so what we were able to put together is a comprehensive plan for how to make that happen. And this was a great opportunity to come down and talk to our lawmakers about how we start to do that and the importance of doing it. And the beautiful thing is everybody is extremely responsive. So I have, as I've talked to people about this, they're already aware that this is a crucial issue. They're asking what they can do. And fortunately, the hospitals have come together very collaboratively over the last year, uh, put some money into doing the research, and now have a very specific plan on what we can do to make some changes to improve this in the years to come. So we're, so it, so it's ex- it's been fun to put the report together, but now the real work begins of, of trying to implement it. I've been fortunate enough a couple years ago well, with Damien and I, I, you were over doing the Center of Maryland podcast mm-hmm. as well. The Maryland Hospital Association came together in Annapolis almost three years ago now, right before the plague, right? My wife and I had been in uh, Japan and South Korea, in Asia. We came back. It was right around the time she got sick in middle of January. It was during the lobbying periods, you know, and that was cold morning. And I went down and I sat with John Shasher and Neil Meltzer, just all of your colleagues yeah. on a couch talking about the issue of suburban hospitals, staffing, and then the plague hits, right? right? And then everything four months later is government 
hospitals, keeping workers safe, keeping... If you cut your hand in, a, in in your kitchen during the plague, how do you get to the hospital? Who can go with you? How can you get like all of those external issues? How have things changed in the three years? Because I would say your lobby probably is a lot stronger in the aftermath, sadly, of COVID. Because I think we all understand overcrowding in hospitals, not enough workers at hospitals, big problem. My wife spent 155 nights fighting for her life, so we're very very aware of the importance of clean, safe hospitals with dedicated over-workforce. Not overworked people, but more people there than we need. You describe it well. And first of all, we are grateful uh, for the support that hospitals got during the pandemic. That um, I think people recognize the contribution we made. Lawmakers helped from a funding standpoint. And um, we did what we needed to do to take care of people during that time. It was disruptive, and it was... I think a, a challenge from a staffing standpoint because the staff, as you can imagine, were at the forefront of, of all the things that we were doing. And they, and they were the ones who were at, on the risk side of this. And we lost a lot of staff during that time period. People decided they didn't want to be in healthcare anymore. They left the field. They did other things. And so we, we always have different cycles where we have shortages of healthcare staff. But this is more of a perfect storm where we're seeing not just a regular cycle, but we're also see, seeing people leave the workforce and, and people struggling to get back into I'm it. I'm hearing this from teachers, too. Yeah, right. right. I mean, no, it, you know, I mean, the, the, the pandemic has had a lot of unintended consequences. Yep. And part of it is career change for people that just said, I'm going to do something different with my life. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, we, and, and when we have doctors and nurses do that, that's a real. We have teachers do that. It's a problem, too. Right? Right. We have airline pilots doing, you know, all of these jobs. Right. But specifically, we're talking about life-saving jobs. And we're talking about things that skilled labor. It's it, what, These people that kept my wife alive, when these nurses came every night, specialized nurses, I thought to myself, I don't think I could ever go to school to learn enough. To do. It's not an easy job. Anything in your hospital is not easy. No, Nestor, you describe it well because it is, it's not a job that can be done remotely. It's no. a job you have to be there. You have to be there 24-7. It's hard work. I, it's, you know, when the nurses, I know it's rewarding work. It has a lot of opportunity. And our pitch is we need to do some things to change the environment of how we change our nurse or how we train our nurses and healthcare workers. Um, we know that a change has happened, that people don't come into the hospital and work there for 30 years. People come in, they may work as a nurse for five years and then decide to do something different. And we need to be very supportive and facilitate that so that, you know, they come in and, and they, when they have opportunities to do something different, move up to be nurse practitioners or be salespeople for medical device companies, that we're supportive of that and helping happen, helping make, make it happen, but also figuring out who's going to come in to replace them. So we've, we've got to really rethink this, how to make it easier for people to get into the field, how to have people... You, you, when you talked in the beginning about having your sons and daughters become nurses, it's, it's thinking about how males can get into nursing, um, how different populations who maybe haven't thought about it as an opportunity get into that. How, so how do we expand the pipeline? How do we avoid the current 20% dropout rate in nursing, which happens in nursing school, which happens because sometimes there's not the wraparound services to help people go through school. So there's not the daycare. There's not the, you know, some people just can't take time off to go through school. They have to have that support. So how do we rethink that? And then how do we retain our staff? One of the big challenges that's always been there, but it's gotten worse during the pandemic, 
is um, the violence and harassment of healthcare workers. And we have to have a statewide consortium to really rethink this. There's a federal... Bill it's amazing you have to talk about that. Well, right? it, but I know yeah. from where we've been the last three years how crazy that is. And I have friends that are nurses, obviously, too, yeah. that this is, this is a real challenge, right? It's, I mean, it's talking huge. to families. I mean, uh, you know, when my wife was sick, there's me, her dad, her mother. We all reacted differently. Right. And the nurse and the docs are the front line of that. There's, you know, sadly, I always thought there should have been some sort of administrator between, and, and I'm speaking about Hopkins, yeah. and I even, you know, believe me, I spoke to the top of Johns Hopkins when she was sick. Mm-hmm. I said, there should be somebody between us so that I'm not being emotional with my dying wife in front of a nurse. Or there, there should be somebody in between. And it was a very difficult, for every family, it's difficult. It's the most difficult time of people's lives. And you, you, people are going through behavioral changes that are difficult to control, and, and so sometimes that results in things that they wouldn't do otherwise. But the recipients of that are often people who are my daughter or son's age, who are 24, 25, you know, in the first job in nursing, and, and they're at the, at the end of somebody who's, who's not happy and, and showing it. So we, we have to think about how we change that. That's a big part of retention. And then I think the last thing is just we, we have to rethink how we do healthcare in some cases. So we have to take advantage of technology like telemedicine. We have to make sure that licensure, licensure laws allow people to move back and forth across state lines easily. Uh, we need to figure out how we don't have obstacles in the way of getting people from the military into hospitals with, you know, think, rethinking the job. So you can take somebody who's been a healthcare provider in the military that may be slightly different in terms of their approach, but how do you move them quickly into a, into a, a non-military job. So th- those are the things that we're working on. We're excited about it. I feel very strongly that Maryland, like it does in so many other healthcare issues, it can lead the nation in how well we address this crisis by training people, getting people into healthcare, having a very robust workforce in our state, but also exporting staff outside the state. I mean, so our colleges and universities become the place where people are trained, like our, our, where you know, people are trained at Hopkins and University of Maryland as doctors to go outside the state. We want to see more of that where we're, we're providing staff for other places. We have so many people here for our hospitals and for our nursing homes and for every other job that, we, that we're that good that other states look to us to, to get their staff. So we, we think we see this as a huge win-win because this is going to grow our nursing programs at our colleges and universities, present great opportunities for people to, to move up in different career opportunities, and also create a very stable workforce for our hospitals and, and other healthcare facilities. Ed Lovers here. He is from Ascension, St. Agnes in Baltimore City. Nothing more positive than Baltimore positive. Uh, tell me about your company. And you, I mean, you've come in, and we talked about this a little bit last year in Catonsville. was a, a, a visitor on our, our Maryland Crab Cake Tour. By the way, John Martin's coming up next. I, I need to say, brought to you by the Maryland Lottery, our friends at Goodwill, Window Nation, and the Restaurant Association of Maryland. Uh, we're going to be, uh, next week, we're in Eldersburg on Wednesday at Libra Tories. Friday, we are in Westminster at Roxall Grill. And then I just saw our next governor, uh, Wes Moore, around the corner. Uh, He will be joining us on on the 30th at Costas and Dundalk as well. For for you with your group and Ascension, I mean, I see MedStar ads and I see big groups and stuff like that. Tell me about Ascension. This is is sort of a a new-ish thing, at least for Baltimore. Everybody knows St. Agnes, right? I can't I say hope, St. Agnes I hope everybody anymore, knows right? St. Agnes. Yeah, it, it, we call it Ascension St. Agnes because we are part of a national system that has a lot of resources. It's 150 hospital system nationwide. 
so we are, you know, the, the irony is even though we're a small hospital in Baltimore, our system is bigger than any of the other Maryland systems. You told me that last yeah. year, yeah. So it's, it's big. Um, we get a lot of support and resources, uh, I mean, in terms of how we practice clinically because we have so many other hospitals around the country. Uh, but we think that we offer something different at Ascension St. Agnes than other hospitals in the state. We, we are a community hospital. We're very proud of that. We have an excellent medical staff. A medical staff, I think in the last Best Docs magazine, we had 90 of our medical staff members who were considered Best Docs uh, in Baltimore. So it, it, they are there because they want to practice community medicine and they want to be close to, they want to live in the community, they want to live close to the people that they take care of. And, um, and I think we, we have to pride ourselves on going the extra mile and, and taking care of the, the things and, and feeling closer to people than maybe sometimes the big university hospitals are able to do. So that's what we pride ourselves on. That's what we go to work every day, trying to make sure that we're providing great care for our community, making sure it's accessible. It's, we're very efficient compared to some of the bigger hospitals. Uh, we're very proud of it. We think we have an important role to play in this community. Well, look, I'm not having crab cakes for the next 31 days and, and beer at breweries. You don't want any part of that. But we will get together on the other side. I want to come over and visit and say hello one day. I, you know, the, the interesting part of your hospital is really near where Babe Ruth played his yeah. you know, childhood ball. So every time I go by there, I always think of my, my tour with Mike Gibbons and the folks at the Babe Ruth Museum over there at the St. Mary's Seminary or right around the corner. But Gibbons, all you know, all those things are right in the neighborhood there. Kippy's was right around the corner with the shrimp salad for years, too. It, it, there is so much history in Baltimore, right? Anytime you turn the corner, there's something that um, happened that changed the country. And, and What's your favorite part up? of Baltimore being imported the way you are? So my wife grew up in Baltimore, so we've got that connection. So you we, knew about snowballs, crab cakes, you knew all Absolutely. This. And we love living in Canton. So we live in Canton. I think we're the oldest people that live in Canton. No, but, no, no. But we love living there, and we have a blast being able to walk to wherever we go to the restaurants. And, um, it, so, and, and to look outside and see the harbor and see all that's going on there, it's, it's an exciting place to live. So we're... We love it. When you're walking distance from Nacho Mamas and, you know, you get the right kind of chips and salsa and Berea quesadillas, as my wife would say. We only have those in Towson, right? They don't have those in Canton. Uh, Ed Lovren's our guest, uh, Ascension St. Agnes. Uh, I wouldn't say stop by and see him, but you do need, I mean, I'm 50-something. My wife's been on me a little bit about time for checkup you know so it's never it's never a bad time to say stop by and see is stop by and see and get a everybody needs a doctor so dr bill cook will reach out this afternoon to set up give him give him the speech that i need to see somebody special absolutely and and i think that you were getting at it before but that's sort of that homespun type of approach that we take at saint agnes so you've got i mentioned dr bill cook who is head of our employed physicians, but also practices half-time. Literally, every time I walk down the street in Catonsville or, or end up getting to meet somebody, that's the first thing they say. Oh, you know, my doctor is Dr. Bill Cook. Now, obviously, there are a lot... You can't take care of all of you. You can't... You wouldn't think so. <laughs> but for some reason, and if you... When we walked in the 4th of July parade with Dr. Cook, you know, everybody's yelling at him. He grew up there. He, he loves the community. And so... We have a lot of doctors that are like, there are more Bill Cooks uh, at Ascension St. Agnes than just Bill, but there, there are people who are in that community. They grew up there. Uh, they want to practice medicine there, and absolutely, you need to get in and have your physical once a year now. You're a big boy. See, ever since my mom left me, I don't have anybody other than my wife beat me up I about know. this. Well, so, it's, uh, uh, it's, we all get it. All right, all right. I'll, I'll go in. 
I'm sure I'm fine, though. I feel really healthy. We're down here at Mako, uh, taking on great guests. Uh, John Martin from the Maryland Lottery is going to be joining us. Heather Mazier will be here. Also, uh, Ben Cardin, Senator Ben Cardin, stopping by uh, down here in Ocean City. Really appreciate you visiting, yeah. man. I'm shaking Thanks, hands again. My wife's got things out, and we're tr- You're a medical guy. I'm trying to stay clean I know, I up can't in keep, here. You know, it's there the we bump, go. Fist yeah. bumping. There we go. Uh, we're down here in Ocean City. We're doing thanks all brought to you by the Maryland Lottery in conjunction with our friends at Window Nation and at Goodwill and, of course, the Restaurant Association of Maryland. Don't touch me again. Uh, we're getting squirted with all sorts of good stuff here. Back for more from the Ocean City Convention Center. We are purelled up and uh, disinfectant free. We're BaltimorePositive.com. Stay with us.